Amen. I trust you had a wonderful day. We sure did. I'm going to invite you, if you will, to take your Bibles and turn to, turn to the book of Jeremiah and chapter 9. And then if you're really good, hold your finger in that place and turn to Deuteronomy 30. I know that's asking a lot. It's a Sunday night. It's been a big day. Jeremiah 9 and Deuteronomy 30. I'm going to read just a couple of verses in Jeremiah and then spend most of the rest of the evening in Deuteronomy. This is Mother's Day, and as I was directed to preach this message, I said to myself, but this has nothing to do with mothers. In fact, this is a really weird message, especially for Mother's Day. Until the Lord reminded me of something that I will let you know in just a moment here. Let me read for you the verses and see if I can um, dig my way out of a hole here. In Je Jeremiah 9, beginning in verse 26, the prophet says, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised, Egypt and Judah and Edom and the children of Ammon and Moab and all that are in the utmost corners that dwell in the wilderness. For all these nations are uncircumcised and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. Now I want you to jump over to Deuteronomy chapter 30. I'll read just one verse here for right now. In Deuteronomy 30 in verse number 6. And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed. Notice, to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul, that thou mayest live. The Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart to love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. How do you love God more? I asked him recently, I said, Lord, how can I love you more? I know I do not love you adequately. I know that. I fall so short of what I know I should be loving you, and yet, Lord, I don't know how. Would you teach me? How can I love you more tonight? Tonight we're going to learn by looking at kind of an unusual topic, especially on Mother's Day. We can love God more by cutting out all sinful things in our hearts. Let me explain. Let's pray, and then I'll explain it to you. Let's pray. Dear Lord, thank you for your love and your blessing and for giving us a good day. And again, I thank you for this day that we can honor our mothers. I pray, Lord, that you will minister to us tonight. Speak to our hearts. Lord, we do want to love you more. Lord, we want to be so much better prepared for not only heaven, but for our life of service for you here. So please help us. And Lord, tonight, would you use this, this, uh, this topic tonight, and help me, Lord, to deliver it, I pray, in your spirit. For we love you in Jesus' name. Amen. God wanted to single out his people, the Jews. And seemingly strange to us, he used the identification of circumcision to say, 
Abraham, I want your people to be circumcised, and that's going to set them apart. They're going to be different from all other nations. And that this one, this one thing that you're going to do is going to set them apart. Now, maybe God explained it to Abraham and told him the whys. But don't you imagine, at least initially, Abraham had some questions. Lord, Lord why don't you just pierce our ears? Or why don't you just you know, tattoo us or something? But why, why circumcision? Well, tonight, I think you're going to understand God's thinking behind this particular thing. You say, how in the world does this topic do anything with Mother's Day? Well, just recently, my daughter Katie, whose three-month-old son was dedicated today. We got to see some pictures of the dedication of their church down there in South Carolina. And it was so sweet, and I really appreciate how the pastor did it. And he preached about half his message on dedication of children. It was really, really good. And he explained it all. It was so good. And little Daniel slept the whole time. And that's so rich. And it's so good. So, so I appreciate that so much. But just a few days after Daniel was born, Daniel was circumcised. I don't know if it affected Brad at all, but it was pretty hard on Mama. For her to think that her newborn baby is going to get cut on already. That, 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 was, that was just challenging for her. But, but she did it. And so she allowed her baby to be cut on. And it was, it's cutting away the flesh. And therein is the concept of circumcision. It's a cutting away of the flesh. We've got a fleshly heart. We've got an old nature. And that old nature loves to draw us back to the old ways, to the old world, to those old sins. And the people of God, the Jews, though they were circumcised on the outside, struggled tremendously by being circumcised in the heart. In other words, they had all this flesh around their heart. They kept, they kept desiring things that were fleshly, not spiritual. And so God said, listen, you, you, are, you are outwardly circumcised, but your hearts are uncircumcised. You're acting just like the heathens around you. And so tonight, just a look at how we can love God more, and he described it there in verse number 6 in Deuteronomy. Let me just walk through it before the, the day of the Lord. And this is God's dealing with the Jew. Once uh, the, after the rapture, uh, there's going to be this incredible time of tribulation here on earth. We know it as Daniel's 70th week, the tribulation, where God is going to bring all these horrible, horrible uh, plagues and things on, on the people of this earth, primarily dealing with his people, the Jews. So before the day of the Lord, we see this passage back in Jeremiah. Behold, the days come that I will punish all them which are circumcised with the uncircumcised. I'm going to punish them all. I'm going to punish the circumcised or the Jew with the uncircumcised, all the heathen. And he starts naming some like Egypt and, and Judah. Uncircumcised Egypt and circumcised Judah and Edom and Ammon and Moab 
and all they're in the uttermost corners that dwell in the wilderness, for all these nations are uncircumcised, and all the house of Israel are uncircumcised in the heart. And you can imagine how this was a sword in those Jews' chest for the prophet of God to be calling them uncircumcised. Circumcision was their badge of honor. We're God's people. We have a, an inroad to God because of our badge. We're circumcised. No other nation is circumcised. Well, God says you're acting uncircumcised. He said, I will punish them all. That sets the scene for the judgment of the day of the Lord in the tribulation. I will punish them all. Now, over to Deuteronomy, the setting is the day of the Lord. In verse number 1 of chapter 30, And it shall come to pass, when all these things are come upon thee, the blessing and the curse, which I have set before thee, and thou shalt call them to mind among all the nations, whither the Lord thy God hath driven thee. So this is after the dispersion. <clears throat> after the, the, the Jews have been spread all over the world. The blessing and the curse refers, I believe, to a covenant that God made with His people that if they were to love Him and serve Him as their God, He would bless them. If they chased after the gods of the heathen, He would bring the curses upon them that He had plagued Egypt, eventually ending in their death. Well, we know that history tells us that Israel failed to honor their covenant. And they were eventually cut off by God and carried off to Babylon. This passage in Deuteronomy chapter 30 looks beyond their blessing and curse to the day of the Lord when Israel will once again submit to God and experience His blessings in the millennium. God will in that day call His dispersed people from all parts of the globe back to their homeland. In verse 2, And shalt return unto the Lord thy God, and shalt obey His voice, according to all that I command thee this day, thou and thy children, with all thine heart. There it is. With all thine heart. I think we would agree that the Jewish nation does not love the Lord thy God with all their heart. They've not trusted in Jesus as the Messiah corporately today. But there will come a day in which they do. With a clear reference to the great commandment, Israel will love the Lord thy God with all their heart and all their soul in the kingdom of Jesus Christ in the millennium. In verse 3, that then the Lord thy God will turn thy captivity and have compassion upon thee and will return and gather thee from all the nations whither the Lord thy God hath scattered thee. God will shine his face upon Israel again in that day after they accept Jesus as the Messiah. And as I've told you recently, Stepping into the millennium, the Bible says all Israel will be saved. Why? Because at Armageddon, all unsaved Israel is destroyed. Only ones living, going into the millennium with Jesus, are the saved. And God will shine His compassion upon the returning Jews of that day. In verse 4, If any of thine be driven out unto the utmost parts of heaven, from thence will the Lord thy God gather thee. And from thence will he fetch thee. 
No matter where the Jews have gone, around the globe, God will bring them back. It's interesting, he says, even, even to heaven. If he's got some <coughs> Jews in outer space, he's going to bring them back. Doesn't matter where they are, from all over, he's going to bring them back to their homeland. In verse 5, And the Lord thy God will bring thee into the land which thy fathers possessed, and thou shalt possess it, and he will do thee good, and multiply thee above thy fathers. Notice, God will multiply the nation of Israel in that day. To, Abraham, or to uh, Adam and Eve, God said, be fruitful and multiply. To the nation of Israel, be fruitful and multiply. In that day, in the day of the Lord, Israel will be fruitful and will multiply. The blessings of God will be upon them as they once again return to their homeland experiencing the blessings of the Lord. And then in verse number 6, The Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart. He'll cut away the flesh. He'll cut away those fleshly desires, those fleshly hooks that have got into your heart, those things tying you to the world, worldliness. And the heart of thy seed, there's children. Why will he do that? Why, why will he circumcise their hearts for this reason? To love the Lord thy God with all thine heart. You see, the heart is made up of different compartments, different lobes in the heart. Spiritually, I can give this part of my heart over to the flesh. And I can serve those things in the world that I want to do. You know, those things, some of which may not be really sinful, but they don't have a good testimony. I just enjoy those things. Oh, I'm not forgetting God, so I go to church. I even carry a Bible. I sing the songs, and I smile once in a while. So this part of my heart, this lobe of my heart, I've given to God. But God says, that's not how I view it. I view it like you've got all this fatty flesh, all this flesh that surrounds your heart, and it's keeping you from loving me with all your heart, all your soul, and all your mind. I will accept nothing else. I want it all. And so God says, the way you can love me more is to allow me to circumcise your heart to cut away all those fleshly things that are tying you to the world. He's going to perform spiritual surgery on us. Again, as reference here is made to the great commandment, loving the Lord thy God with all thine heart, with all thy soul. And this verse here is really, it's really the epicenter of the truth that I've been looking at for tonight. What I, what I want us to, to focus on, to think about, how can I love God more? Well, I can love God more by allowing Him to cut away things that have tied me to this world. Things that cause me to love this world. The worldly attractions. And again, some of them may not be really bad, but they're not Christ-honoring in and of themselves. Things that keep me back and keep me too busy to spend time with the Lord. Oh, I'm just too busy. Oh, I could not do that. Oh, I couldn't pray more. I couldn't read the Bible more. Oh, I certainly couldn't memorize the Bible. That takes time. And after all, I've got to watch my shows. Cutting away 
the flesh can be really painful. I would not make it as a doctor. I would not make it as a nurse. God bless you, Kareem. I would not make it. First time they brought out the big, the big needles, I'd be on the floor. It just, I, I would not make it. And then you, they, they, these doctors, they get these extra sharp knives. And, they, and they, they cut the skin. No thanks. No thanks. I asked the doctors, if ever I have to have surgery, to put me out before you give me the injection. Before you give me any injection, just put me out. I don't want to know anything about it. I'm going to wake up you know, in a day or two or six, whenever it's all over, I'm going to wake up then, all healed. That's how I want to handle it. God will strip away anything keeping his people from loving and serving him if they're willing. Hmm. If they're willing. But we become masters at resistance. He goes to bring a trial into our life, and we say, Don't do that! That hurts! And he said, but I, but I thought you wanted me to circumcise your heart. Well, yeah, but I don't want to hurt. God wants his children to cut away anything limiting our love for him. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse 10 and 11, it says, And ye are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power, in whom also ye are circumcised with the circumcision made without hands. Notice, and putting off the body of the sins of the flesh by the circumcision of Christ. Now, the Jewish mind would conceive of this, understand it. As the Jew was set apart by their physical circumcision, the Gentile could be spiritually circumcised by putting off the body of the sins of the flesh. By dedicating themselves to God and away from the sins of the flesh, they were in essence experiencing the same benefit that God had intended for the Jew, and that was to be set apart exclusively for God. And that was God's original intent for, for the Jew under Abraham, to have a people that were set apart, sanctified, set apart for God's service. To show the world, this is what life can be like with Jehovah God as your God. Look at how he's blessing them. But oh, they blew it. And oh, how we blow it by not allowing God to circumcise our hearts like he chooses so many times. Spiritual circumcision is putting off the sins of the flesh. Again, in Deuteronomy 30, verse 6, And the Lord thy God will circumcise thine heart and the heart of thy seed. Why? To love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and all thy soul that thou mayest live. Sometimes... God has to bring some hard things into our lives to wake us up spiritually. God's circumcision purifies our hearts to love Him more. You see, for the Jews, it took a 70-year incarceration in Babylon for the Israelites to get their false gods out of their hearts. 70 years. It's pretty close to a lifetime. Our sinful habits and pleasures quickly embed themselves into our hearts, making them almost impossible to lose apart from the power of Christ. <clears throat> Bless her heart, I had a sister named Julie growing up, and Julie was a couple years younger than I. I was the oldest in the family. And Julie, as she got older, 
and in the high school in particular, became, okay, a stereotypical cheerleader. You know, remember that? I'm being very stereotypical. I mean, you know, the, the, the raw, raw, look at me, I'm beautiful, and, and, and that was, that was her, her life. Oh, she was a Christian, but, but she was more important in how she looked than how she looked on the inside. She got married, and she'd be the first to tell you, but she got married outside of the will of mom and dad. She experienced some real difficulties in her marriage. And after just a few short years of marriage, she started having some physical difficulties and come to find out after a lot of tests that she had some serious lupus. This was many, many years ago. They didn't know a lot about lupus. And uh, it, it, it progressed pretty dynamically. It started showing up in her arms, and her arms would go white on her. And they started doing different kinds of uh, therapies on her. And uh, there was a time where my sister was the number one pharmaceutical patient in all of Denver as the pharmacists would meet together periodically once a month. And she would be at the very top of all the medications that she was taking. They'd, they'd give her th chemotherapy for a while. One time as she was so thin, they were giving, giving her so many medications that, that their, her skin was just, just brittle, just hardly anything to it. Her uh, elbow, the skin opened up. All that chemotherapy started draining out of her. She's a very, very sick girl. Um, she, uh, she was tall for her, she was, I think, 5'10". When she died, she was just under 5 foot. Her body had, had really fallen apart. But something amazing happened to her. <clears throat> the sicker that she got, the more vibrant her testimony for Christ became. She, she started playing the guitar, and when she could not move, literally could not move physically, she'd play the guitar and just sing until her voice gave out on her. And she would find other people that were hurting, and she would try to call them up and be a ministry to them. The last years of her life were those spent ministering, spent quite a bit of time in a wheelchair. And what God did, <clears throat> hey, God circumcised Julie's heart by cutting away all that self-centeredness and when she did die she died as a pure reflection of Jesus in Deuteronomy 10 verse 15 it says only the Lord had delight in thy fathers to love them and he chose their seed after them even you above all people, as it is this day. He says, circumcise, therefore, <clears throat> the foreskin of your heart, and be no more stiff-necked. The Lord your God is a God of gods, and the Lord of lords, a great God, a mighty and a terrible, which regardeth not persons, nor taketh reward. You see, for the Jews, God meant it to be a heart procedure, not just a physical procedure. He wanted their hearts affected. He wanted them loving him. Circumcision had become the focus of their national pride. It formed the basis of their presumed spirituality. We're right with God because of what we have done physically. See. 
circumcision had become a heart problem. And God challenged them to shift their attention to their spiritual hearts. And remember that they were to love God with all their heart, soul, and mind, and to be separate from all the other nations around them. And circumcision was God's method of keeping them spiritually sensitive. That circumcision of their hearts would include a cutting away of all those things that made them rebellious and stiff-necked, distracting them from devoting their whole hearts to God. God, very mercifully, provided a cure for stiff-neckedness. 2 Chronicles 30 and verse 8, Now be ye not stiff-necked, as your fathers were, but, first of all, yield yourselves unto the Lord. And secondly, and enter into his sanctuary, which he hath sanctified forever. And thirdly, serve the Lord your God, that the fierceness of his wrath may turn away from you. Three things he says here, how you can find a cure from stiff-neckedness. First thing, yield yourself to God. Romans 6, 13, Neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Don't yield to the flesh. Yield your members to God. Take me. Take me, Lord, all of me, and use me. And then he says, Enter into his sanctuary, and I think... Now, in this dispensation, in the church age, I think he's talking about the church. Go to church. <laughs> Be faithful in church. And here I am preaching to the choir, literally. <laughs> the choir was here at 515. Pre preaching to the choir. Here, you're here. But one way we can keep from being stiff-necked is by being faithful in church. Enter into a sanctuary. And of course, Hebrews 10.25 not forsaking the assembling of yourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the more as ye see the day approaching. In other words, the pressures of life are going to be such that you can't do it on your own. We need each other. We need each other. All the members of the body are important. Which one of these members am I willing to do without? And if I do lose it, I'm going to hurt. I need the parts, the various parts of the body. And then, serve the Lord your God. In Matthew 23, 11, but he that is greatest among you shall be your servant. Be a servant. Just look for ways to serve the Lord. And then Jeremiah 4, beginning in verse 3, we see circumcision softens the hard-hearted when we get our hearts hard. Jeremiah 44 and verse 3, For thus saith the Lord to the men of Judah and Jerusalem, Break up your fallow ground, and sow not among thorns. Circumcise yourselves to the Lord, and take away the foreskins of your heart. Ye men of Judah and inhabitants of Jerusalem, lest my fury come forth like fire and burn, that none can quench it because of the evil of your doings. Take away the foreskins of your heart, that flesh around your heart, those things that are keeping you from loving me, he says. A hard-hearted condition can be tenderized 
by removing anything that replaces the love we should have for Christ. As we cut away that which fulfills our sensual appetites and those things that rob much of our time, keeping us from spending time with the Lord, our hearts then begin to soften towards spiritual things. In Hosea 10 and verse 12, Sow to yourselves in righteousness, reap in mercy, break up your fallow ground, for it's time to seek the Lord till He come and rain righteousness upon you. I didn't understand this years ago, but talking to a farmer, I found out what fallow ground was. And then it hit because I would understand in my garden. As I had a garden for some time, I'd go out in the spring and come to find out that ground that was so worked and so easy to work last year, as it sat through the winter, it got really hard. Man, I ended up pickaxe to get at this stuff. It's so hard. What happened? Because that ground turned hard once again. Oh, it was all broken up and nice and fertile before, but now it's hard, just like my heart. So you've got to break up that fallow ground. That could be painful. But it's time to seek the Lord. A surgeon will carefully take a scalpel and make incisions necessary to remove a cancerous growth. After he removes it, he sews up the wound and then bandages it. If you've ever had surgery, you know how tender that area is for days, sometimes weeks. Spiritual heart surgery can be painful and will take time to heal. But the end result is a closer relationship with Christ. How, tonight, how can we love God more? By allowing Him to circumcise our hearts, meaning allowing Him to bring it on. Allowing Him to bring on those trials. Allowing Him to bring in those difficulties and sometimes those hurts, those things that we don't want, but allowing Him and giving Him the praise through it all with the understanding and realization that what He's doing is cutting away those things that are keeping us from loving Him with our whole heart. Can you honestly say that He has all of you? That's what He wants. Let's pray. Thank you, dear Lord, for your love, and thank you for your patience. Thank you for your willingness to wait for us. And Lord, I thank you tonight for those things that you bring into our hearts and lives where you attempt to cut away the flesh of our hearts. Forgive us for being so resistant. Help us to understand what you're doing. Tonight, with nobody looking around, or heads are bowed, or eyes are closed, I wonder, has the Spirit of God spoken to you tonight? Has there been an area in your life that you know the Spirit's prodding? Allow Him to work. Allow Him to identify areas that are displeasing to Him, areas that are keeping you from loving Him with your whole heart. Confess those areas and then ask Him for His mercy and help to love the Lord thy God with all your heart.
Dear Lord, we thank you for what you've done, what you're continuing to do. And now meet with us as we celebrate the Lord's Supper. In Jesus' name, amen.